You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad and uh, Folk Alliance International New Orleans 2020 bringing artists from around the world, all parts, Canada, Ireland and other parts of the world. Well, Cara Dillon is here with me and Cara, I have been able to feature and uh, my time when I was the Gaelic Hour on Chin and regularly on Irish Radio Canada. I'm delighted to be sitting across from you, Cara. Thanks a million for taking the time. Oh, it's great. No, um, thank you for taking the time to chat to me. Oh, no, I'm delighted. Um, before we get into how long you've been in the business, um, music was part of your life from an early age, growing well, up. Yeah, um, and from County Derry, and yeah. um, uh, the, the town that I'm from, Dungiven, um, when I was growing up, was just one of those times where people would stop off on their way to somewhere else, but they would always stop off maybe because they heard there was a, a session in the local pub Murphy. Yeah. And um, and then the word would get out that somebody had stopped, and soon we would all be in the back room of the pub, right. so all hours in the morning. And um, the great thing about looking back on it now, I um, that was normal, but now that I'm away, I live in England now, yes. and I look back on that and I see it as such a privileged upbringing, you know, being able to be, um, be able to listen to the finest um, singers and uh, the traditional storytellers and musicians all gathered in one room. And uh, as, from no age, I was allowed to stay up late with a bag of crisps and lemonade and just soak it all up. And it was such a casual, wholesome environment. Absolutely. As distinct from a clinical performance. It was oh, that, that was a great thing about it. And everybody was included. You know, there were, um, there were people, there were characters who would be in the pub, oh, yeah. local, yes. who would see these amazing, like, I remember, like, um, dervish popping in sometimes right. and on their way through to do gigs and all. And even though they were playing and singing great stuff, the local man sitting at the pub, who only ever knew three lines of the song, he got his chance too. Yeah, yeah. And that is the good thing about it. And youngsters and um, just anybody was, was encouraged to do it. So if anyone was encouraged to do it, do you recall as a, as, as a wee one mm -hmm. um, being encouraged to sing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd be sitting, as I say, with my bag of crisps and then it would come round the table and somebody would shout, go on Cara, give us a song. Right. And I remember thinking at the time, but I don't really know how to sing. But you would never say no. And yeah. that's the thing that I'm actually trying to teach my children. Don't don't say no, just have a go. Yes. Because having a go at something can lead to great things. That's right. And, um, and I remember being knee high and singing, learning um, traditional songs from Paddy Tunney from Fermanagh, who's long gone now. Um, and, um, and he's a legendary character. And um, I'm not really realizing how important the, what the process was that was taking place, that he was, you know, handing over a torch, really, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the youth and letting us take, take it on. Mm -hmm. and, um, and some of the songs I didn't really, when I was growing up, understand what they were about. You know, I yeah. couldn't understand what they were about. But the one thing I do know is that I knew that it was something very special and there was a magic in it and it, it touched your soul, even when you're 10 years old and you sing a song and you don't know what you're singing about, the melody, it, it gets to you and you want to know more and it makes you hungry for more. Well, the other thing is, not just the melody, I think in that environment, you pick up on the emotion without necessarily knowing either what the emotion is. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then plus, uh, you know, my parents and my father's dead now, but my mother is 88, so I'm the youngest of a family of six. And my, one of my sisters, Mary, is a, an amazing traditional singer. 
and she used to sing in the band Gianta. Oh yeah. And um, you know, she was a major influence on me. But but also, I think it's the whole uh, the whole landscape. Uh, everything that happened and um, my mother telling us stories about the living way mm-hmm. and she grew up in the middle of the mountain just in the outskirts of our town in, in Glen Ullen and hearing her stories about what life was like then and how important the song was and how important storytellers were in travelling over the mountain to their house to just put in the, the dark hours of right. winter right. and um, you know that's it's in my blood so, in a way, do you miss that? Because um, you did say you now live in England, and I know times have changed for so many reasons. Times have changed, and particularly in the North of Ireland. But do you miss that? Do you know, I think, you know, I look back on it, like I, I go home regularly. So, yes. although I live in England, I've, I've got my two homes here, yes. because all my family are still back in Derry. And, um, and so, when I go back, I always take my children to a session. They all play instruments, and um, and they they see it as like a big thing. You know, we're going we're going home. Yes. They call it home too in some respects. And we go and we see cousins, and everybody plays um, hurling, and everybody sings a song and plays a fiddle, whatever age they are. So it's very much a living tradition. Right. And um, and I think you know maybe I, I I don't know maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I think Northern Ireland, you know. We've had to really, really, really struggle and hold on to our identity, more so than maybe other pockets of the country where, you know, it's been under threat. Mm-hmm. And so, the town that I'm from, it's, it's a really big part of it still. There's a, one of the biggest Irish language schools is open there in the old castle building. Okay. And um, and they've got more students now than the English-speaking school, okay. which is the one that I went to, the one that all of us only ever knew. Right. So it's constant and um, it's strong and it's, it's a real, um, I feel really encouraged by it. Right, right. So um, then when you were at school, um, going through uh, elementary and secondary school, um, was there music there and did you participate in things like, when I was at school there were operettas um, and my first part was as a, as a female, that, that was fine, that was, that was okay in a boys boarding school. <laughs> oh dear, well you know, growing up in uh, Dungiven, I you know, immediately formed, uh, well in primary school everybody's taught all the local songs of Pimzola, the gem of the row, he was the local, he was the princess, he grew up in the castle there and uh, and and you go on day trips to the castle, it's all very much about your culture and your heritage, right. your identity and the music of the land and so that, that's instilled in me and then at secondary school, you know, it, it's just uh, taken that the other kids in my class were all like musicians or their sister played a fiddle or someone was playing a harp and so when I was a teenager me and my two best friends from school um, formed a band called Oiga and um, I was like maybe 15 at the time and Murrow Keane was he was just 12 from 13 right. and Rory was the same age as myself and we went uh, on tour Okay. and um, we don't know how it all happened we just you know, we would find ourselves playing music in the pub at weekends, right. just when there was a session on, and suddenly we find ourselves being asked would we go to Scotland to do a couple of festivals. Okay. And that sort of progressed into whole summers of us touring Germany, and right. we went to Israel one year, 
and I look back and I'm like, how did my parents let the youngest of six go? Right. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd be that <laughs> good about letting my children go yeah. off at that age, of 15, yeah. 16 years of age. But I think, you know what? It, it, the reason why they let me go was because it's kind of my destiny. It was yeah. all meant to be. It's fate. And um, it, it, it just became who I am. Right. And I feel so blessed that I was allowed to go and, and enjoy the music like that. So it's, it's fair to say then you have been a professional musician since 15 years of age? I would say so, yes. Yeah, because yeah. then I went to, you know, I did my GCSEs and my A-levels and I was just about to go to university. I had just um, done my A-levels and I decided I was going to go to Queen's University in Belfast when I got a call from Sam Lakeman and he and his brothers had formed this band called Equations and um, they wanted to know if I would join the band and sign a record. They'd been offered a record deal with Warner Music right. and again I remember going, I don't think I want to do that and my mother and father said, well do you know what Cara? why don't you go and give it a year yes. and if you don't like it, come home. And I said, but you sign a contract. And you know, it's that thing where there was all this, there was so much serious, uh, it was all very serious, the signing of the contract yes. in London. Yes. And yet my parents were like, but there's nobody has a noose around your neck. Come home if you right. don't like it. Right. And that's the end of it. Right. You're not, you know, they can't take, um, what's that, there's lots of sand, isn't there? You can't yeah. take feathers you, off a. And you can't get blood out of a turnip. Ah, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? If they hadn't have been so kind of like normalizing everything, yeah. it, it might have been a whole lot different. But I went off into the sunset with Sam's brothers and a, a guy called Catherine Roberts, who's right. the great singer. And, um, and that was it. Haven't looked back since, really. So would you say that as a, an introduction in such a formal way, and by a formal way in that you literally started your career under contract to a major label, where an yes. awful lot of artists yes. spend years and years and years as independents working to get signed by a major label, so and that that in many ways you you work. We started from, up there, and we're able to say, well maybe this might be a little bit too much structure or the commitment and that as your career progressed that you were able to make a decision to say I want more control and I can do yeah, things. Yeah, the irony is that what everybody else was chasing we got handed to from a plate yeah. and then spent a few years trying to figure a way of, of letting that go yeah. and trying to um, be okay with that in your head knowing that there's friends of mine who are singer-songwriters who have been chasing that dream and yeah. actually stepping away from it was the best thing myself and Sam could ever have done because you know we, we released our own album we we started up our own record label we're completely self-sufficient we manage each other ourselves manage each other yeah. and um you know, That's what you say. What does he say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny. You know, it's not been without its highs and lows, like anything yeah. has. I mean, yeah. there's been there's been times when never my friends, like I'm going back now, but when my friends were graduating from university, yeah. and I still hadn't put out an album, and I'm living in London, being paid to live there by Warner Music. Yeah. And sort of been told, no, no, we don't really want you to do gigs because we want you to concentrate on this songwriting so that when you're ready to do gigs, we can just like go, here, with this new artist. Yeah. And you know, when you're coming from a small town in County Derry where all you've ever done is sing music yeah. for people to enjoy and yeah. with people, the idea of being tucked away 
and kept as a secret well, a big moment is alien it doesn't make any sense well not only I would say it doesn't make any sense but the lifeblood of what you do is interacting with an audience absolutely and it's where I'm most happy yeah. and where I'm most comfortable and I would say where you get inspiration yeah absolutely. indirect whether it's directly or indirectly so yep. to be closeted away yeah so <laughs> it was a strange thing so that that was like probably a big low in Sam and I um, in our career yeah. where we were thinking what are we doing and life is going on and people we know are moving on and we're just yeah. sort of like stuck here in limbo and then you know like there's been there's been some brilliant things that's happened like singing at the opening of the Raider Cup I've been asked to sing on a Disney movie I had to record with an orchestra for that in Abbey Road right. and um, I've been on soundtracks I've been flown to I've been to sing on Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bell 3 album it just goes on and on and on and you know a lot of people say to me um, I think, especially in England, people have been like very hardcore folk. Um, uh, I'm trying to describe what they are, but they're, 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 let's just say they're they're very very um, organic kind of like hardcore folky. And they'll say to me, "But you know, why would you do that? Why would you, you know, let somebody remix your song? Or why would you like decide to do something like that with an orchestra or whatever?" And I think, well. All my life I've just done whatever I want to do and yes. it's never done me any harm yes. and you grow and you learn and that's what music is, it's an evolving well, thing, you know. And the other thing that strikes me about what you're just saying is that if you stand with an orchestra behind you, that doesn't deprive you of standing without an orchestra no, behind you. Whereas for those whereas for those who stand with an orchestra behind them, mm -hmm. they may never get that opportunity. No, exactly. Exactly. That's a lovely way to put it. And <laughs> and so I if if something has put has been put to me yeah. and it's appealed to me, I've just thought, well why not? You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if I had said no to yeah. all the things that I've been asked to do, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today or yeah. sitting here today. That's so <laughs> you just have to go with the flow of Life, you know. Yeah. So going with the flow of life, then um, you signed with Warner. You put, you got your first CD out, and as I said at the intro, we've been sharing your music, and uh, I've always loved your voice. It's been beautiful. And um, your career then as a solo artist, because even though you and Sam are together, you're it's, you're perceived as a solo artist. Yeah. And um, as a solo artist, does that have its challenges uh, in the music industry as a solo female artist in the music industry? Yeah, I think it does, you know. I think, like, obviously things are, you know, people are stepping up to the mark now. People are talking about it and, yeah. and um, saying, like, w women have the equal rights now. And in and, and the music business, it's been, up until probably quite recently, very male-dominated. And I think it's... But that, when you say male-dominated, you would mean from a structure perspective rather than necessarily a performance perspective, or would you say... Yeah, yeah. Not, not from a performance... No. No, no, because actually I've, I've done women, the Women's Heart Tour yeah. with the greatest. And, and you like know, Royal Connell, Sharon Shannon... And even if you go back before that, when you had the Bridie Gallagher's... Absolutely. You know, just women have always been... Always and been Edith Piaf and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're the torchbearers, they're yeah. carrying the flame and all that. So, um... So, as a woman, the only struggle that I have, because I don't, I don't see it in my personal life, like Sam manages us, yeah. and although it's, it's me that's out front, um, taking all the credit, he does, I'd say, 90% of the really hard work 
you know, I'll send him a note and let him know when this is the next <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, tell him I said that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's very, very much like, you know, the two of us and we make, you know, we, we've, we've put this little ship, you know, yes, we've, yeah, we've, yeah. we've got it going together and we're very proud of it. But um, as, as, being a, as far as being a woman performing now, I've got three children and um, I'm a type 1 diabetic as well. And the struggle is real sometimes because, you know, you have to make sure that a crossover is seamless when there's a childminder coming into your house mm -hmm. and you have to come to somewhere like New Orleans mm -hmm. for a week. Mm -hmm. and, and also, like, just the everyday things of, like, trying to find the time in, in their lives now. Because my, my twin boys are 13 now and our okay. daughter is nine. In their little world where they're doing their homework and yeah, they've got yeah. their after school things, yeah. to try and find that time to, to go and make your album. Yes. And to try and make them understand that, yes, you know, I've been there, that you, you are the centre of our world, but at the same time, we are not going to give this up. Because right. we're not, because we would be giving up a part of ourselves that makes us who we are. And, and not just that, but you know, because when you left home, you left your parents behind you. Yes, and it's a healthy thing. And they're going to leave you behind. They are. So if you've got you have off, to have something. Yes, yeah, so if you've got off the merry-go-round for ten years, it's not that easy to get back on. Not at all, not yeah. at all. Yeah. And so, you know, I think... So far, you know, we've never, we, we didn't really stop. We, we changed how we worked mm -hmm. when our twins were born. We didn't, uh, up until that, the year, two years before that, we had, I think we had done 350 gigs in one year. Okay. Myself and Sam. Okay. And we loved it. Yeah, and yeah. we didn't know what else to do because yeah, we yeah. were back out enjoying playing music live. It was fantastic. The albums were winning awards and we were, we were really hot tickets on the uh, UK folk scene. Right. And, and then we decided, when we had the kids, that we step it back a bit and we pick and choose. And we've been so blessed that we have been able to do that ever since we're able to say, well, we're not, no, we're not going to go on tour for three weeks at a time. Right. We're going to do a couple of gigs, one week, three gigs. So some of my friends said to me, so when, when are you going on tour again? And then another friend will say, but she, she never stopped. Yeah. So, and that, that's an ideal way to do it, I think, when you've got a young family. It is, and some of that is perception. I know some of our friends have said to us, we're always traveling. Yeah. But, you know, you're not always traveling. It's no, just, no. just to hear about the times you've been away. Yeah, and, and social media now is a great thing for keeping everybody imagining that there's a lot more going on all well, the time in everybody yeah. else's lives. That's so right. it's another story. When, when you mention all the, the opportunities you've had and the performances you've been able to uh, engage in. Would you say there's been a pinch me time where you've stood somewhere, be it in a particular venue or with an orchestra behind you or something like that and you kind of have to pinch yourself and say, is this really me? And is Do you know, honestly, when you're in the middle of something, yeah. I don't think you ever have a moment to stop at that particular time and be present and think to yourself, is this really happening? Because, you know, there's always something going on. It's right. like, am I going to ruin that? Am I going to remember those lyrics? When do I come in? Is the orchestra going to think that I'm a complete lunatic and right. what are they right. doing? So every time I've been in the middle of something big, yeah. it's always been not about that moment. It's always right. been about just trying to do the best I can right. in that situation. And it's all over, it's always over far too quick. <laughs> you know, you, you get back. Yeah. The next day you wake up and you go, 
That's so that was two months of me worrying about it and, you know, preparing for something like that. And now yeah. it's over. Yeah. And, and actually, it's not until, you know, somewhere maybe down the line, maybe six months to a year time, where you go, oh my God, like yeah. you find a picture on your phone, you're like, did I really do that? Yeah. And I think that's pretty healthy. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I think if you are standing there and you're pinching yourself and, you know. Well, it's more, it's more, I don't mean it in the sense that it, it, it stops you, but it's more that. That it in that moment, uh, that, that mindfulness for that once in a while, you say, wow, you yeah. know, be it on the Women's Heart Tour or I whatever, yeah. that you kind of say, you yeah. know, this is special. And there was w the one time in my whole life where I um, absolutely remember just feeling, okay, now I'm really, really happy with the way everything was. was um, because I'm the youngest in the family and I left home and I'm, I'm the youngest by like my eldest sister is 20 years older than me okay. so I, I think I was my daddy's pet you know yeah, yeah. and um, and leaving home was a massive deal like when I didn't come back after the year and kept the career going and yeah. getting more exciting things happening and, and I remember him saying to me, oh, Jesus, this is it, you'll never be back now, you know, yeah. not to live. Yeah. And I kept going, of course I will, Daddy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, you know, I, I remember thinking when he, when he was very ill and before he died, I just remember thinking, I just want him to know that all that I have done has been worth it. That I didn't just get out and leave, just yes. like... It wasn't to get away. No. You weren't, going from, you weren't going from, you were going to. Yeah, I wanted him to see that I was doing okay. Yeah. And, um, and he was very ill at the time, and, um, and I came home, and I went down to Dublin, we were doing the Late Late Show. Right. And that was the one time, I just remember thinking, because he watched the Late Late Show every week. And um, and he loved the music section coming on. He'd be shouting, me, "Come on, quick! Do you see this Mary Black on again, or somebody, yeah. whatever?" And and I remember thinking that night, "This is for you, Daddy, because now you'll see that I've, you know, I've been doing it and mm -hmm. doing well." Mm -hmm. And it was that thing where that that was a big turning point in my life. Right. right. And I just hoped, you know, that because he had had a stroke and all, and it, yeah. it altered your mind and all. And I was yeah. just like, I hope he's watching and thinking. Yeah. That's my girl, like, there was a reason why she did what she did. She had right. to leave to get on with it, you know? Right. So, that's it. So then the songwriting. Um, obviously something that was there from the beginning of Warner wanted to closet it in a room and uh, writing. Um, a lot of what you do is your own work. And I heard uh, at uh, one of the showcases, I was listening to uh, your uh, preamble to how you perform, what you were performing. The... It's, it's the creative urge, obviously, was something that's been in you since a young age. I think so. I think so. I mean, if somebody asked me, um, you know, what kind of a singer are you? I think, you know, primarily, um, fundamentally, I'm a traditional Irish singer, right. and I'm a, you know, a storyteller who I, I love nothing more than singing trad songs. That that is the core of who I am, right. and those are the songs that move me most. But I feel like if I didn't try and write songs, that's in me. Yes. And I just feel like I love writing and I love reading poetry and, and I just feel it's an extension of who I am. So, um, but there's something very nerve-wracking about writing a song and then letting someone hear it. Because for the first time particularly. For the first time, there's a safety in singing mm. a trap song. Yeah. Because it stood the test of time. People mm. have been singing that for a reason for a hundred years. That's right. And, um, and there's always a great sentiment in it. And then suddenly you stand up with one of your own songs and you're like, 
Okay then. If somebody doesn't get this, you've kind of put your, you've worn your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. And it, it can be quite hurtful if somebody, if you ever see anything that anyone's ever written and says something like, I don't really get what that's all about, you know. Yeah. So you have to just be, be, be prepared to just go for it and uh, not, not apologize. Yes. But it's a tricky business. <laughs> so where do you go from here? Like you're here at yeah. Folk Alliance, what, what, and what, what are you hoping to come away from this with? Well, we are in the middle of um, just starting to record a new album, okay. and it's, uh, it's all our own material so far, okay. which is, has never happened. There's usually been a healthy mix yeah. of trad and my own songs, but this time we're, we're taking a big leap into the unknown and trying this out, okay. and I'm very, very excited about it. Good. And I think we're, we're here at the Folk Alliance because since our twins were born 13 years ago, we, um, we had been invited to come over to America a few times to do concerts and yeah. to go on tour. And we couldn't really do that because they were so little, yeah. and twins is a bit of a handful anyway. And I remember once we came over and we did like a three-week tour okay. when they were about nine months old. And I never, I, I do not recommend that to anybody if anyone's listening and thinks that's a good idea. That's not okay. a good idea. Your twins are the boys or girls or one of They're boys, yeah. A, a bigger handful. Yeah. I don't know actually because I have a nine-year-old daughter. I'm not sure. I think the boys are... Finding in terms easy. of, well, I have two daughters. I have four grandchildren, so one of my daughters has two girls, the other daughter has two boys. Okay. So I get to see the household with the two boys. Okay. And it's bedlam. Oh. <laughs> and the household with the two girls okay. is not as bad a bedlam. There we go. That's, that's interesting, yeah. Maybe I'm not seeing the half of it. But uh, I think we're, we're at a stage, myself and Sam now, where we're ready. We're ready to explore a bit in the world, and if we can, at some point, maybe bring the children with right, us. Right. Because um, they're all very musical, they all play instruments, yeah. and um, not, not that I'm saying they're coming on the road with us to perform, but I think it's, it's a great opportunity for them to see the world and to, and to be educated. To be educated like that, yes. and um, meet great people and, um, and hear great music. If right. we get some festivals, in America, yeah. it would be incredible. Canada, would, whatever, yeah, you know, it would. it would be amazing. It would, it yeah. would, it would, because that would be life altering. It would be. It would. So that's, I think that's the aim, and that's why we're here, and what we would like to achieve. But, you know, I believe in fate, and yeah. what's for you will not go by you, so yeah, we'll that's see. Right. That's right. See how it all pans out. Well, Cara, it's been an honor chatting with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank and you. And wish every success, and that uh, when you do tour with the twins, and um, no Three. That's uh, maybe the uh, Cara Dillon and family. Maybe you never know. I don't know though, that they'd be that happy with that. <laughs> you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> Thanks a million. Thank you.